What's happening, guys? I'm Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining us as we take a look back on Week 11 in the Big 12 Conference, starting to figure out who is actually in contention for this Big 12 championship and who is not. So you look at yesterday's schedule, and by the way, I first off want to apologize because for the YouTube fans, uh, we did not do any videos on YouTube this past week for game previews. I apologize for that. Uh, just to give you a little background, I do a news talk show here in Kansas City. So uh, we had a little election this week. You might have heard about it. Uh, we were tied up in that. It was also my wife's birthday. So there was a lot going on this week personally and professionally. But if you are a fan of our YouTube page, which I hope you do subscribe to, and if you, if you want to find our picks written out against the spread, you can go to the website, heartlandcollegesports.com, and all of my picks, I write them up on Thursday or Friday, put them on the website. Against the spread went 4-1 and one, again on Saturday, a second straight week of going 4-1. and one. That's 8-2 and two in my past 10 games. So we're hitting that stride there on the picks against the spread. The only loss I had yesterday, uh, which game? Oh, it was Baylor. I took Iowa State minus 16 and a half, and I lost that one. So, um, but yeah, all the picks are also on our YouTube page, and I put them on the website written out. So, uh, apologize to you, YouTube fans. Well, the Big 12 is now down to, uh, let's say, four teams it's Oklahoma, it's West Virginia, it's Iowa State, and then, of course, it's Texas. And you throw them all in a bag, and, and two of these teams are going to be playing in the Big 12 championship game on December 1st. My money right now, it, a lot's going to come down to what happens in this Iowa State and uh, Texas game this weekend. But as I look at it right now, it's going to be Oklahoma. And remember, Iowa State has to win out. And West Virginia, if they lose to OU in the final week of the season, it will be OU and Iowa State. If West Virginia beats OU in the final week of the season and doesn't lose any other games and OU wins that outside of the OU game, outside of the West Virginia game, then you're going to have OU-West Virginia rematch. So there's still a lot of things up in the air. Texas needs help. Texas needs to win out and get a little bit of help because Texas has the, uh, has the loss to West Virginia. So there's a lot still things up in the air here in the Big 12 Conference as we get the thing going. And thank you for joining us on Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube, and also we'll be on the podcast as well. You hope you find that on iTunes. So let's get into these games right now and everything that happened on Saturday. First off, we'll start off with the Sunflower Showdown, which was a total disaster. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad for what's going on in Kansas right now. I do. Doesn't matter if you're in Manhattan, if you're in Lawrence. Uh, I hope you're all Chiefs fans because there ain't much good college football being played right now by either of these two schools. There just isn't. I thought Kansas was going to win this game and it would have been you know, if Kansas won this game, I don't think it changes much for, for Bill Snyder's future. Uh, the fact that this was even as close as it was doesn't help out Bill Snyder's future. But let's be honest, um, if Kansas had won this game, they might have marched Bill Snyder down to a condo in Florida. I mean, they might have just done it right then and there because uh, why Alex Delton was trying to be Tom Brady in the first half and why it took K-State a full 30 minutes of football to make that adjustment instead of just using the second half game plan in the first half and, and having Alex Delton be what he is, I don't understand. I don't get it. I mean, Alex Delton is not a guy that's going to sit in the pocket and carve you up. He's not that guy. He's never been that guy. And I don't know why K-State and Andre Coleman 
thought he could be that guy or thought he would be that guy yesterday. It never made any sense. K-State comes back, gets the win, a ton of special teams mistakes, which, by the way, um, when's Sean Snyder going to address the media about that, huh? The guy's in hiding, hoping daddy gets him a job. Hey, buddy, you ain't getting the job. You're not getting the job. I'm sorry. And you shouldn't get the job. This guy was billed as the special teams guru and the associate head coach who Bill Snyder says has been running the program for the past couple of years. If that's the case, he's done a damn poor job doing it, a piss poor job doing it. And no one talks to the guy, no one hears from the guy, and that's incredibly disappointing. So K-State gets the win. Is it a convincing win? No. Is it a win that makes you feel any better about this program? No, it's not. Uh, K-State still has to win out to make a bowl game. And uh, I'm pretty confident that's not happening. They got Texas Tech at home this week, and then they have Iowa State in two weeks. Although how telling would it be if K-State somehow picks off Texas Tech this week and then, you know, Iowa State fans will tell you K-State always gets the flags against them. They somehow uh, shock Iowa State on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and then Bill Snyder gets a 10-year extension. Whew. Uh, that would be something, right? Kansas State fans would absolutely love that, I'm sure. So uh, th- that was the Sunflower Showdown. I thought this team would play hard for David Beatty. Week after the guy gets canned, his players seem to like him. I thought they'd play well for him, and they did. You know, Peyton Bender at the end of that game, the ball slips out of his hand. That's Kansas quarterbacks for the past going on 10 years for you right there. You got a chance to win it at the end, and the quarterback loses the ball uh, out of his hands. That's kind of Kansas football, and, and it stinks. But I thought David Beatty's guys would play hard for him. That was their best chance at a win the rest of the way because they have Oklahoma and Texas on deck. And, you know, there was a little bit of a – there was, um, oh, some drama yesterday because there was a report from Jayhawk Slant that Kansas and Jeff Long had made a call to DJ Durkin, the disgraced Maryland head coach who was under investigation for the past two months. Jeff Long came out and said – No, 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 that didn't, well, he didn't say it didn't happen, but he sent out a tweet essentially saying, nobody knows what I do and what I am doing with this coaching search, and we keep it very close to the vest. So that is what uh, Jeff Long said yesterday on Twitter about this opening of his, and yeah, Adam wants Brent Venables to K-State. Adam, if you can do that, if that can happen... It should be done yesterday. I just don't know if Brent Venables wants to be a head coach. The guys had offers before. People have made phone calls before. Maybe this is the job he's been waiting for. I mean, it'd be awesome. You want to talk about igniting and throwing some life back into this program. Brent Venables does it better than anybody. I would be totally on board with Brent Venables coming to K-State. But just something tells me that I don't know if if he wants to be um, a head coach. Yeah, Bobby Petrino, Curtis says, you know, Bobby Petrino got fired this morning by Louisville. I thought Jeff Long might make a call to Bobby Petrino because, of course, the two worked together at Arkansas before the guy was riding around on a motorcycle with his uh, mistress and then, you know, putting on that neck brace looking for sympathy. I don't know if, if Petrino uh, would go to Kansas or, frankly, if Kansas would take him. Uh, you know, when you talk about character, people can question Bobby Petrino's character, certainly, and wonder what exactly is going on there. So I, I, a call may be made, a conversation may be had. I think he'd be really interesting in the Big 12. 
but also Louisville's having a horrible year this year. Let's let's not forget two and eight, and they're getting blown out what seventy seven to sixteen by Clemson last week. I mean, it's ugly. It is. I'm a Les Miles fan, Asher, on Facebook Live. I'm a Les Miles guy to Kansas, and the reason is I think Les Miles is the type of coach that puts some life into your program. I don't think Les Miles takes this team to the top of the Big 12, but I think he gets Kansas into uh, living rooms of recruits that uh, that maybe they wouldn't get to with some young up-and-comer like a Seth Luttrell. I respect. I don't think this is the kind of job where a young, hungry coach who's on the rise, who everybody's looking for that next Matt Campbell. I just think Kansas is so difficult of a job. It needs someone quirky like Les Miles to try to turn things around, uh, get him in a bedroom, or not a bedroom, get him in a living room of a kid. <laughs> get him in the living room of a kid who wouldn't normally accept a phone call from Kansas and see how that goes. Yeah, Art Briles not happening. Our brow's not happening. No way in hell our brow's getting a job at the FBS level. What's up, Chad? Appreciate you joining us. Uh, yeah, Bryles is never coaching again in the Big 12. I don't think he's ever coaching again at FBS. It's been too long now. Uh, even the Canadian Football League fired him a day after hiring the guy. and ain't happening. It's just not. Uh, what, what was the good comment here on Periscope? A uh, K-State head coaching job isn't an attractive position. It, it's not to a random young up-and-coming head coach. I don't think it is. You know, you could convince me that to a young up-and-coming head coach that Kansas is the more attractive job. They got new facilities coming in. Lawrence is – I don't want to make this judgment because they're both great towns. Lawrence is perceived to be the better town. You have the success on the basketball side. You got big money that want to succeed. So that's the thing. If Bill Snyder doesn't get out of there soon and this program gets too stale, Kansas will be considered a better job. And that's scary to say. Um, Let's dive into what happened. There wasn't much that happened in Morgantown yesterday, but I'll just say this. Uh, West Virginia crushed TCU after getting off to a slow start. I think they were held scoreless for the first time in the first quarter of the season. And also, it was the first time in any game this season West Virginia was not the team to score first. So you are wondering, could Gary Patterson have his guys uh, potentially uh, you know, having their upset Saturday, so to speak? This was their Super Bowl, but it wasn't meant to be. TCU's too banged up on both sides of the ball. It's a rebuilding year for Gary Patterson. I didn't think it'd be this ugly. I didn't think it'd be this bad for Gary Patterson, but it has been, and that's been disappointing. And it's partially injuries, but uh, they also lost 20-some-odd seniors from last year's team. And uh, that was, I think, underappreciated going into the year. Uh, West Virginia is on a mission. You know, the Mountaineers can certainly uh, find themselves in the Big 12 championship game. Even if West Virginia, though, wins out and has one loss, I have a hard time seeing how they get into the college football playoff. I think they'd be worthy of it. If you get two wins over Oklahoma in an eight-day span, people are going to look at you and say, damn, that's pretty darn impressive. But I I keep going back to this. That NC State game, the lack of the NC State game, could very well hurt this team. And by the way, I just heard from a little birdie um, that Auburn's upset with Gus Melzahn. And there at least has been a phone call placed to gauge Dana's interest in the Auburn job. There have been no serious conversations, 
but a phone call has been placed from a friend of a friend to a friend of a friend to see if there is any interest in Dana going to Auburn. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's very comfortable in Morgantown. I think he's got a good thing going, but a phone call has been placed and uh, we'll see. I mean, I think Auburn, Gus Malzahn's got a 30-some million dollar buyout. When it comes to Auburn, the problem with Auburn is what's going on on the other side of the state in Tuscaloosa. Auburn fans are so delusional because they think they should be Alabama, who may have the greatest college football head coach of all time. And that's why that job is not attractive to me. Whoever takes it, if they aren't beating Alabama every year and winning national championships, they're a loser. I mean, that's a no-win job. No win job at all. Uh, Chad, do I think West Virginia defense can slow down Oklahoma State and or Oklahoma? They have the speed to keep up with Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, uh, we'll get to that game here in a second. But uh, Oklahoma State, if they had a quarterback who was more accurate on the deep ball, like a Mason Rudolph, they'd be winning a lot more games this year. You know, they're trying to run the same playbook with Mason Rudolph that they are, or they're trying to run the same playbook with Taylor Cornelius that they ran with Mason Rudolph. And it doesn't work because Cornelius is not that accurate. He's just got great wide receivers, notably Tylen Wallace. If I'm West Virginia, um, I'm trying to use my speed on the front seven with guys like David Long. Don't blitz. Make sure you have safety help on the back end with guys like Wallace and Tyron Johnson and let the speed of your front seven try to go to work. I could not believe in that game yesterday in Bedlam how Oklahoma's front seven could not get pressure on Oklahoma State. All of a sudden, that offensive line looked fantastic, and it's not a good offensive line in Stillwater. It's not. So I think they, I think they can, but slow down is a relative term. I mean, what does slow down mean? Hold OU to 40 points? I think it could happen. On Periscope, uh, Barrington says, I can see West Virginia losing two straight. If it happened, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you know, they got Oklahoma State and then Oklahoma in that order. You know, Stillwater's a tough place to play. But here's the thing about the Cowboys. They're so Jekyll and Hyde. They're so up and down. They're all over the place. They lose to K-State by 19. They beat Texas. They lose to Baylor. And then they almost beat Oklahoma. I can't figure out this team for the life of me. I mean, it's a total – I don't know what is going on there with Mike Gundy. But it's, it's difficult to figure out this team on a week-by-week -week basis. But I did pick them to cover the 21 points because I did not see any way that Mike Gundy was not going to have his guys juiced up for this game. Now, OU's got his number. I don't have it off the top of my head, but what? He's lost to OU 13 or 15 times or something like that. But I certainly thought his guys would come out and they'd play hard. And as for that game, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. No problem at all with Mike Gundy going for two. You're on the road. And I know people want to get on the kicker for missing the extra point. Don't get on the kicker. I mean, it was the holder's fault, too. The laces were not out. If you look back on that kick on the extra point on the touchdown before by Oklahoma State, the laces were not out. I know that, you know, everyone wants to jump on the kicker for not hitting the extra point. But let's get to the two-point conversion. I'm okay with Mike Gundy going for it. But I did not like the play call. Not like the play call at all. And here's why. Taylor Cornelius is not an accurate quarterback. I don't want to roll him out and uh, have him throwing on the run. I don't want to do it. 
just just no interest in doing that. He hasn't proven that he can do that, especially in a power and an incredibly pressurized situation with the game on the line. And he totally, I mean, he missed that throw by a mile to the inside to Tylen Wallace. I like the idea of trying to put the ball in the hands of your best player, but I, I just did not care for the play call one bit. I didn't. And there was no other option there either. I mean, that was it. It was boomer bust to Tylen Wallace. There was no other option. There was no pitch over the middle that was possible. Uh, that was it. It was a rollout to Wallace. And if that was not there, then Cornelius had nothing going for him. And that's what made that play frustrating. So no problem at all for uh, with West, with Oklahoma State going for the two-point conversion, trying to win the game. I just didn't care for the play call by, uh, by Mike Gundy. That's or by whether it was Mike Gundy or whether it was why is his name skipping my mind the damn uh, offensive court Yursich Yursich. So uh, OU wins though you know OU still got a very good shot at the college football playoff, very good shot. If you win out, uh, you're gonna have wins against Kansas and then two against West Virginia potentially or Iowa State depending on how the rest of the season plays out. Iowa State is going to be in the top 20, if not top 15, if they reach the Big 12 championship game. So that'd be a top 10 win, let's say, against West Virginia, a top 15 win against Iowa State. What happens here, what could happen here, is that Notre Dame could screw this whole thing up. If you have Notre Dame and two SEC teams in the college football playoff, then you're going to have you know Clemson fighting for a spot and let's be honest if Clemson's undefeated they'll get there in a weak ACC uh, you know I, I, you'd have a Big Ten champion in there whether it's someone like Michigan uh, you know forget the Pac-12 at this point but that's the problem for Oklahoma is that the committee could say we need two uh, two teams from the SEC in and then we could also need Notre Dame in if they finish undefeated and that's what hurts the Big 12 Conference here moving forward. So we'll get into more of that throughout the week. Appreciate you guys joining us. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the Big 12 website. We are on Periscope. We are on Facebook Live. And also, we're going to put this on YouTube. So if you don't follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube, we're doing a lot of fun stuff there. And on the podcast as well. So find us on iTunes on the podcast, which, by the way, um, if you listen to the podcast... If you rate and review the podcast, send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. So please do join the uh, the conversation on the um, – on, on, oh, I just lost you on uh, Periscope. Sorry there, guys, on iTunes. Sorry about that there, Periscope. All right, we're back. We're at it. All right, we have a couple other games to discuss from yesterday. Uh, Baylor, Iowa State. How about the brawl in that game, huh? You know, that could be a big deal. If David Montgomery, the Big 12, may decide to suspend David Montgomery for the first half of the Texas game, they should not do it. They should not suspend David Montgomery for the first half of the game after the punch or whatever you want to call it with Greg Roberts, the boxing match with, uh, with Baylor defensive end Greg Roberts. Roberts swung first. And then you had Montgomery react. I know he's a I know he's a captain of the team. I know he's a leader on the team, but that was ridiculous. Montgomery, uh, they kind of got into their fighting stance. Roberts jumps over the official to try to take a swing. Once again, I know Montgomery shouldn't react, but it's ridiculous if um, 
if the conference does hold up a first half suspension for Montgomery last week or next week against Texas, because that is an enormous game. That is a game that will determine or help determine who's playing in the Big 12 championship game and to not let one of Iowa State's best players, if not their best player, play in the first half over what happened last week at Baylor would be ridiculous. So I hope, I really do hope that we don't see the Big 12 go down that road, but, um, you know, we haven't heard anything yet. Oh, he's already, Curtis, he's already suspended for the first half? Do we know that for sure, that, that David Montgomery is suspended for the first half of the game next week against Texas, or is that still up in the air? Somebody let me know on either Periscope or, um, or Facebook Live because I had not seen that yet, and I apologize if I missed it. Um, all right, well, someone just let me know because I have not seen that yet. But I hope that the Big 12 uh, doesn't go down that road. I really do hope that's not the case. And then the night game, Texas holding on against Texas Tech. How about that? How about 10 years after the fact um, you have a situation where Texas Tech does to Texas Tech what Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree did 10 years ago to the day, almost essentially. I mean, it was, uh, how, it was almost the same play in the same corner of the end zone. The jump ball from Ellinger to little Jordan Humphrey uh, over the top of the Marcus Fields, and uh, what a final drive and what a throw and a catch by Ellinger to, uh, to Humphrey. And it keeps Texas in the Big 12 title conversation. They still need help to get to that game, but they certainly find themselves in a much better situation, obviously, had they lost. Had they lost, it would have been over. They would have lost three straight games. People would have said Texas is done. Texas would never back. I think Texas is back. They've got two games left, and they're in the hunt for a Big 12 championship. To me, they're back. So, um, yeah, ESP. All right, Curtis, you got All right, so, so Montgomery suspended. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. To put that kind of an implication on a game this big, I absolutely hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it that the officials and that the Big 12 has taken this into their own hands. I know Montgomery was in the wrong. I get it. But I'm sorry. That's uh, He was retaliating, and you have a massive game next week. It's disgraceful. It really is. Uh, Greg Roberts should be suspended for, for two games then. He's jumping over the top of an official, taking a swing at a guy. That's ridiculous. Um, but Texas Tech, they've lost three straight games. I'm not firing Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not doing it. This guy has been in each one of these games. He's basically lost them by a possession. I know the Iowa State was a nine-point game, but it was a tie game with what? Uh, four minutes left until the the uh, the safety by Bowman, the mistake there, and the t- touchdown for Iowa State. This guy has done everything that that Texas Tech should could have asked of him. I know he's five and five, but he's got a great chance to win out. He could be seven and five and eight and five if he wins his bowl game. They got Kansas State this week, and then they have Baylor. Texas Tech can and frankly should win both of those games. They'll be favored in both of them. And if Kingsbury wins those two, and he's able to even maybe win a bowl game. With the way this season has gone, he hasn't had his quarterback healthy a lot of the time. The defense has shown great strides. The wide receivers are looking really good. The offensive line's getting better. His recruiting class for next season is good. 
I'm keeping Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not touching him. I'm letting him continue to try to build this team and build this program the right way. And I respect the heck out of what he is doing. So I, I think Cliff Kingsbury, despite the fact that he's lost three straight, we knew this stretch was going to be tough. Any fan for Texas Tech would have taken one and two over the three-game stretch. Unfortunately, it was 0-3, but you were in every game. There was not a single blowout or anything like that. You had a chance to win at the end. You just came up short. This program has come a long way. It's not all about the wins and the losses, but if you win the next two, you're 7-5 and five going into a bowl game. I think it's a great situation for Texas Tech to continue to build on. And there's no doubt that he should keep that job. Total confidence that he can continue to build it. And in a very difficult Big 12 where there's no team that you just waltz right over outside of Kansas. There's no team like that. People don't realize how difficult it is to coach in this conference. You don't get to play, uh, you know, Rutgers uh, multiple or a, a Rutgers and then an Indiana and you know all these horrible schools. You don't get to do that in the Big Twelve. It's a round robin. You're playing everybody every year. These teams know each other as well as any conference in America. You know, it's not like you get three years off from playing anybody. And Cliff Kingsbury absolutely deserves to uh, to keep that job. So leave us any more comments or questions you got on Periscope and on uh, Facebook Live. And also, if, please do subscribe to the iTunes page. Download the podcast. We do a lot of stuff midweek. So if you like the shows on Facebook Live and Periscope, we do have a midweek podcast. We interview somebody as well. So we don't put that on Facebook Live or Periscope. So please go check it out on our iTunes page and go subscribe to our podcast there. All right. So I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys joining us as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great Sunday. And we'll be here midweek. I don't know if I'm taking Iowa State next week. You got to stay tuned. Stay tuned. Check it out midweek. It'll be up on the website. It'll be on the uh, podcast as well and on YouTube. Not making a prediction yet. I'm still soaking in week 11. All right? We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com, and uh, we'll chat midweek.